I got a message for you this morning called Passing the Baton of Blessing. Passing the Baton of Blessing. And as we work our way towards Vision Sunday in two weeks' time, I always find myself at this time of the year getting really stirred for the new things that God is going to do. Because Vision Sunday is such a significant and important time for us as a church. And, and with that, it should be an important time for us as individuals. It's our time to pause and reflect and look back on what God has done. And although what He has done doesn't prescribe what He must do in the future, it's an important reminder for us as to the nature of which God does anything. He's gracious, He's generous, He exceeds our expectations, and He never stops being faithful. Now this year has been one of our most challenging, and yet out of it have come some of our biggest blessings. I think back to the tragic event in 2009 where six students and a teacher from Elam Christian College lost their lives in the flash flood of the Mangatapopo tragedy. One of the darkest days for us as a church, for us as a nation, and obviously for the families that were involved. And yet it's amazing because it was off the back of that tragic event that we saw more people than ever before find home in our church, find new life in Jesus. And it united us in a way that I think was pretty unique to us. We saw tragedy, and it absolutely was, and yet somehow... God could take the difficulty, He could take the heartache, He could take the challenge, and He could orchestrate it into a beautiful outcome. I love Vision Sunday because what it does is it rehones, it refocuses our, our vision on getting a little bit more of a glimpse of what God sees. See, I know what I see, and you know what you're, you see, but we need to see what God sees. And that's why we have a series called Paradigm Shift. See, since the day that we were born, Every single one of us have been building and developing this thing called a worldview. It's how you make sense of the world. It's the lens to which you view absolutely everything through. How you see your role in the world. The role of government and authority. Your stance on justice and peace. How you determine the difference between right and wrong and ultimately what we think is most important. But what you have to understand about your worldview is you think it's the best one. It makes complete sense to you. And of course it does because you've been building it and you've been developing it to serve you and all your little biases that you carry. And for the most part, it has been a blessing to you. But I need to remind you that your worldview is a limitation on your life. My worldview is a limitation on my life. And it's a limitation because it makes sense of the world through our own eyes. But the Bible says this, says that we are co-heirs with Christ. That because of the victory on the cross, we get access into His presence and we get to share in His victory. Look, you may have a worldview, but as sons and daughters of the King, we've been given access to heaven's view. Because there's what we see and then there's what God sees. And our ability to look beyond ourselves, look beyond our circumstances, look beyond our own understanding is what we're calling a paradigm shift. I think of Romans chapter 12 verse 2 a verse that's popped its head up a few times in this series. It says, therefore, do not conform to the patterns of this world. So you see the patterns, you see the rhythms, you notice them, you identify them. Don't do that. You don't conform to the patterns of the, this world, but instead you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. And if you were to do that, the Bible promises, then you'll be in a position to test and approve what God's will is for your life, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, the context of this verse is interesting. 
You've got Paul who is outlining the glorious nature of God's grace and mercy. And he's appealing to the Romans. He's saying, Romans, stop trying to think of yourself as better than other people, which for the Romans was a hard gig because they thought they were the best. He's trying to help them understand that this free gift of God's salvation, this free gift of grace was for the Jew. So God's chosen nation, Israel, but also for the Gentile. He's like, so Romans, that's you. You need this. So in short, he's saying, don't be proud. Recognize your need for God and stop chasing after your own desires. He's saying, Romans, listen up. If you keep thinking about things the way you've always thought about things, you're going to get stuck in a rut. You're going to get trapped in a way of thinking and a way of seeing that cuts you off from seeing God's will for your life. I remember being back in high school a few years ago and always leading up to an internal assignment uh, that we would have in class in our senior years, we would be issued with this thing called an exemplar. Now, an exemplar was like an example answer to the question that you were going to be asked in the assignment. And so like, they were like, this is an example. You can answer it like this, but you can't use this one anymore. Now, it sounds really helpful, but if you're anything like me, it was terrible. I would read the exemplar and be like, well, that's what I was going to say. That's exactly the only way to answer it. And as much of a blessing as it was, now that I had read that way of approaching the question, I couldn't figure out another way. It's like it ingrained itself in my mind and I was given one way to approach the challenge and it's like I couldn't think beyond that and think of a new way. It's like my current view was imposing itself on my view for tomorrow. What a blessing to be provided an answer prepared by somebody else and yet at the same time carry a responsibility to give my own answer that might one day be used as an exemplar for other students. In my case, probably not. <laughs> this is the life that we live though. One foot in both worlds. And if we can get our head around this unique place that we find ourselves in, it would shift our paradigm. See, we experience what we have today because of all that's been sown by others before us in the grace of God. And yet at the same time, we carry a responsibility to lift our gaze, to break out of the patterns, to be transformed and to lift our faith to believe that God hasn't finished what He started. We are in a season of harvest. And at the same time, we're in a season of sowing. So how do we live in that place? How do we live right in the middle, one foot in both worlds, walking in the blessing of yesterday and yet sowing for the promises of tomorrow? I've got a couple of thoughts that I want to encourage you with on that today. The first one is this. You can write it in your notes or it's on the ELA map there as well. Live today like it's yesterday's answer. Live today like it's yesterday's answer. Now, as many of you know, we had the blessing to make the great announcement. Darcy and I are now expecting a baby in August this year, which is so exciting. And um, leading up to this, though, it's been really hard. It's been two years of disappointment and heartache, month in and month out, but it didn't stop us praying. It didn't stop us believing. It didn't stop us imagining and dreaming. And we dreamt of the day that our time would come. Well, now that our time has come, Darcy has the great blessing of enjoying all the things that come with pregnancy. Um, and I know that, that Darcy's like physical journey in terms of like feeling sick and stuff is, is quite mellow compared to what other women have had to go through. But she's been pretty zapped of all her energy. And there's been a handful of days where she's felt like pretty terrible. But despite this, we keep reminding ourselves, you know what? Like, this is bad, 
But this is exactly what we prayed for. Like we are literally sitting in the middle of our answer to prayer. And when we shift our paradigm and realize like, yeah, it's hard, but actually this is exactly what we've been praying for. It shifts our paradigm and it transforms our pity into praise. See, if we, if we live this life where we're constantly in a season of waiting on God, it places our focus on what hasn't happened yet and we get clouded to what is already happening. Our desire for the future can cloud the beauty of today. I'm not trying to tell you your life is easy, but I do want to remind you that you are walking in the answer to prayers of yesterday and the season behind. Come on, do we find ourselves complaining about the job that we have? When actually it wasn't long ago, when you first got that job, that your heart exploded with gratitude to the God that you know made it possible. Are you bored and unmotivated with your house? You're like, ah, the appliances are old. I don't have a dishwasher. Woe unto me. You know, there's some work to do around the place. But actually, the very fact that you bought a house is something you had been praying years into and now here you are. Have you taken your eyes off God in a season of struggle? But it wasn't long ago that God supernaturally healed you. And so even though right now your season is a hard one, actually, you're living through a season that you weren't even meant to be alive for. But here you are. See, living today like it's yesterday's answer develops in us a heart of gratitude and it completely shifts our paradigm on how we approach each day. See, we might wake up in the morning, we're like, God, this is unfair. And I just imagine God, a little smile on his face, leaning in ever so slowly, being like, yeah, I know. You're welcome. I know it's hard, but actually our sin deserves death, but I've got grace for you today. I know it's hard, but actually, like, if the world had its way, you wouldn't even be here today. I know it's unfair, but it's better than it should have been. And God calls us to that, and He calls us to rise and lift our faith, to understand that it is hard. We're not trying to say that it isn't, but it's also right in the middle of the answer to yesterday's prayer. You know what else is crazy? We're actually living in the middle of a miracle that we didn't even pray for, that people before us have been praying and sowing into knowing that they might not get to see the fruit of what they've been sowing into, but we would. I think of the thousands of people that have sown so much in prayer, so much in blood, sweat, and tears, so much in finance, and they just dreamt. And they sat there in living rooms and they said, imagine if, and they dreamt of the day that one day God would do exactly what He's currently doing in Elam Christian Center. I know that God spoke to Pastor Luke and Marilyn, our founding pastors, and began to show them how he would build what we now have through them. And I just imagine Luke and Marilyn sitting in the living room. Luke, he gets really excited about stuff. And Marilyn, imagine we could have a school. She's like, Luke, you're crazy. He's like, I know, but God said it. Imagine we could have a church of a thousand people and I know it doesn't exist in our nation right now, but just imagine what that would look like. Imagine we could have a Bible college like, Marilyn, can you picture it? Can you see what I see? Church, there have been thousands of these imagine if moments and those who have come before us. What could it look like if every day, the good days and the bad days, we stepped into it knowing that we are literally walking in those imagine if moments? Come on, imagine if we could somehow train multiple ministry leaders across our entire movement throughout the nation while maintaining a sense of family. 
Well, we have Elam Leadership College that now does his lectures online. Imagine if we could raise so many incredible leaders that there would be a campus of Elam within a 20-minute drive of every single living human being in Auckland. We just keep on going. I reckon we only need a couple more, and we've achieved that. And not to mention, we also have Whangarei as well. Imagine! Imagine we could just, like, own part of a bank. (laughs) Some of you are like, you've lost the plot. Imagine we could own part of a bank. So, like, we could have influence that allowed other churches in our nation to get access to finance, to expand and grow in the way that God had called them to. Church, we have a 10% shareholding in Christian Savings Bank, and we bought that not for ourselves, but so that we could have an influence that allowed other churches in this nation to grow and get access to finance. As other banks increasingly lose sight of the nature of what we do, we knew this would be an investment for our nation. Imagine we could run a course. But not just any course, it was a course that took people that had newly become Christians and maybe not Christians, but were interested in this idea of the God of the Bible and we could help them understand the basics of Christianity. But they would be welcomed and hosted. They would be blessed with free food. They'd be raised and released and they could begin to start making a difference in their community. But imagine it wasn't just like an awkward Christian circle with 10 people looking at each other. Imagine it was hundreds. Imagine we can get hundreds of people in the room doing that. Well, church, we run the biggest alpha course in all of New Zealand. And listen, this is not a boast. This is not a comparison, but this is to remind you that God is doing something amazing. We have over 100 people every term gather at our Botany campus and many other people from our other locations tuning in online. I need to remind you, that we serve a God that hears and answers our prayers. But if we're constantly living in a season of waiting, we miss the incredible things that He's already doing right in front of us. God has a plan for humanity, and we get to be part of that. We're standing on a foundation we didn't pay for. We're singing songs we didn't write. We're reaping what we didn't sow. In fact, check this out in John chapter 4, verse 34 to 38. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. Isn't that good? I know that you know the saying. I know how you typically expect it to go. There's there's a time frame and you're waiting, but he's saying, wake up. It's right in front of you. He continues, the fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wage, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. Get this part. What joy awaits the planter and the harvester alike? Saying one plants and the other harvest is true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others have already done the work, and now you get to gather in the harvest. What an amazing blessing this is to walk where we walk, enjoy what we enjoy, stand on foundations we didn't build. What a blessing. And at the same time, it presents us with a responsibility to sow and to invest into a foundation that the next generation would stand on. We too are called to sow in faith so that generations after us could walk in that answer. Church, we're going to live today like it's yesterday's answer. And the second thing is this, live today like it's tomorrow's setup. Woo! That's good, eh? Average. Live today like it's yesterday's answer. Live tomorrow Live today like it's tomorrow's setup. I love that verse. What joy awaits the planter and the harvester alike. There is joy for you when you harvest, especially when you didn't plant it. And there is joy for you when you sow. I'm not sure if you're a morning person, 
but I definitely am not. Um, it doesn't matter what time I go to sleep the night before. Like I've tried it. I can go to sleep early at like 9 or 10. It doesn't matter if it's midnight, 1 or 2. Either way, I'm waking up in the morning feeling like I've been hit by a truck muttering, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Like it is hard. And I think part of the reason it's hard is because I've come to expect what my day is going to entail. It's, it's a bit rhythmic. I love what I do, absolutely, but I've become familiar with it. So I kind of expect it. So I sort of get myself out of bed, slowly wake myself up. But you know when I'm a different man? Oh, I'm a different man when I wake up for a flight for a holiday. Now, not all of my holidays have flights, especially not these days. But when that alarm goes off, I don't care if it's 6 a.m. I don't even care if it's 2 a.m. I'm up. I'm out of bed. I'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I'm ready to go. Waking Darcy up. She's always a sleepy head. I say, get out of bed. It's time for holiday. You know, when there's something exciting in the future, and when you live with faith and expectation of what's coming, it makes it so much easier to engage with, and it motivates you to live the day ahead of you, despite the challenges that it brings. We may be living in the middle of the answer to yesterday's prayer, but simultaneously we're sowing into tomorrow's imaginative. I think of 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind could even imagine what the Lord has planned for those who love Him. I love that because as we gather here today and we're thinking about all the great things that God has done and we're praising Him and we're reflecting, we're looking back and as we begin to imagine what He might do, our imagination doesn't even scratch the surface of it. What a paradigm shift to live in two worlds at the same time, to be both the harvester and the planter. But you know what's true about a season of sowing? It's hard, boring, it's exhausting, it feels unrewarding. But listen to me, church. When you sow seeds that directly go towards impacting someone's salvation, their breakthrough, their healing, their restoration, you become a kingdom investor. You prophesy a new foundation that future generations will get to stand on. Look, I absolutely love what we have at Elam Christian Center. And I'm honored to be part of the dream team that helped make it happen. But I need to warn you as I warn myself, as much as I love it, the picture of what God is doing at Elam will continue to change. When you jump on to be part of the dream team, you're part of a crew that's breathing life into the imagine if moments that lay in our future. What we see right now, this is not as good as it gets. What we see is not the destination. This is not the end of the story because there's what we see and then there's what God sees. We have our worldview, but we've been given access to heaven's view. Do we think that we've figured church out? Like sometimes we think that, right? Oh, I know how it goes. Oh, I know the gig. I know how it works. I know how it runs. I know how I usually feel when I come. But have we allowed the familiarity of that to cloud our view of what God might do in the future? Will it always be a worship leader in skinny jeans, two fast songs, two slow songs, three-point sermons, crunchy bars, and an MC asking you if you're sitting next to someone good looking? I don't know about any of that. I say take the lot, but you're not touching the crunchy bars. The crunchy bars are here to stay. I've found that the COVID lockdowns have really challenged our familiarity, haven't they? They've challenged our comfort. And yet it's out of that place that God birthed another arm to our church in the online campus. Now we have eight arms, and that's a weird picture. 
I can only imagine what today means for tomorrow. I can only imagine and dream of the impact that we might have as a people in our community for the glory of God in the days ahead. Now look, God is the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He doesn't change, but the way that we encourage one another, the way that we teach and train, the way that we raise and release, worship and serve, a day will come where that stuff inevitably will look a bit different. In fact, a guy named Chris Jammy, he said it like this. He said, those who speak of progression but are afraid of change are self-repressed and therefore unable to reach any further than their eyes can already see. Ben, you guys can join me. It's been said a few times today, and we'll keep saying it. We like to say it every week because we are one campus. We are one church that exists in multiple locations. That's important. That's not just a catchphrase. It reminds us that we're part of something bigger and that when one wins, we all win. When one struggles, we lean in and we all struggle with it. And I know that being here in the Papagoda campus, you may not have become aware of the amazing things that God is doing across the board. I'm so excited to share that as we lead into Vision Sunday, God is doing amazing things in all of our campuses. I think of our Whangarei campus, amazing. Pastor Mike and Amy DeVetta doing an amazing job leading up there. And every Tuesday morning, our lead pastors come together for a meeting and we share the wins. We share what God has been doing in our campuses and there's always so much to share. And what they've been sharing is it's unbelievable. Like every Sunday, people are coming and getting healed. They're getting breakthrough. They're meeting with God in a life-changing way. And so now they find themselves in a position where like, we've got no choice. We just have to add in another service. They're adding in a 5 p.m. service to make room because they know if people keep bringing their friends, they're gonna meet with God in a way that would change their life and their eternity. I think of our Botany campus. Huge renovation project going on right now. Gonna cost lots of money but it's worth it. It's kingdom investment. They're expanding the whole cafe area, new kids rooms, new offices, the auditorium's getting extended out. Why? So they can make room for thousands more to come and meet with God, discover their purpose and start making a difference. I think of our city campus, Pastor Mike and Liz Griffiths just back from their sabbatical break and they are fired up and ready to go, believing for a new season for them. The moment they went to services, they just instantly grew. They're trying to coerce people to go to the lighter one because everyone's packing one of them. It's amazing what's happening there. And you know the special thing about that campus is that they are a beacon of light in our nation's biggest city. So many international students, people where English is their second language, they are creating a sense and a place of home for so many people who feel so far from home. And I imagine, especially at a time like this, think of our West Campus, brand new to being included as a campus of our church, a brand new season for them. In fact, their, their dream team has already grown to over 100 people, which is more than half of their church. And listen, church, they, they went through a season where church was great and people had community, but there weren't that many people giving their life to Jesus. Since they became a campus, they've seen that every single week. And this is what matters. This is so exciting. So exciting. I think of our Manurewa campus. Pastor Don has just been appointed as their new lead pastor and he is the exact leader they need to boldly lead them into a season of expansion. Work is gonna begin soon on a brand new auditorium that would seat 500 people to make room for their whānau and the next whānau and the next whānau because we make more room, God will bring the people. I'm so excited for them because the only thing stopping God doing what He will do is us. And as we remove the barriers, we make more room for people to be impacted by the power of God. Papakura Campus! Oh! 
you know, today is technically our second birthday. And Darcy's gonna tell you more about that in the notice. It's amazing, right? Two years, but we're gonna celebrate it in a few weeks when COVID gets kicked out the door again. But Papa Koro, I've been telling you since day one that I believe that we are part of a move of God. And two years on, I have never been more convinced of it. We have new leaders stepping up. We have people finding freedom and breakthrough every single week, salvation. We've had two years and we've never ever had a Sunday without someone saying yes to Jesus or new people coming through our doors. And we have almost as many people in small groups throughout the week as we have turning up on a Sunday. That is unreal. Think of our Pukekohe campus. Found their new stride in their new building and it's like nothing can get in the way of these guys growing. Every time there's a lockdown, they grow by 50 people. I think they're the ones to blame for this. We've been praying against it. They've been praying for it. Their kids' program is growing faster than our disdain for COVID-19 and their youth ministry is cranking. And then there's our online campus. They do growth track. They have a dream team. They have people from different nations of the world serving in God's house in a different sort of a way. And they are taking the gospel to people. How cool that we can use what we have to see people give their life to Jesus in nations where it's actually illegal to gather in the name of Jesus. And church, all of this is happening in the face of a pandemic. We are literally living in the middle of a move of God. The sower and the reaper. The one who plants and the one who harvests. You thought you meant to pick one? We were all meant to be both of those. To live in the blessing of today so that we could sow into the promises of tomorrow. We don't necessarily know exactly what it's gonna look like. We don't have a crystal ball or anything silly like that, but we know why. Because we have been called to be a center of hope, to reach, serve, and influence our community for the glory of God. We are on our way to Vision Sunday. And if there's anything a time like this reminds me of, it's the fact that we still have no idea how able, how big, how powerful, and how gracious our God is. And we get to be a part of that. We get to wake up each day and despite the challenges that we face and whatever it is that we walk through, we can know that we are literally living in the middle of the answer to yesterday's prayer. In fact, we're living in the middle of a miracle that people have been sowing into for generations. The paradigm shift is this. There is joy for both the one who harvests and the one who plants. You're blessed when you receive and you are blessed when you give. We aren't waiting for a move of God. We're living in one. And I'm so, so excited as we near Vision Sunday. Sure, in one sense, it's another Sunday, but I never treat any moment in God's house as another Sunday or another moment. It will be significant for us. It'll be a monument for us. We're gonna celebrate all that God has done and we're gonna look expectantly and begin to imagine if. And we know that our imagination doesn't even scratch the surface because we can't even imagine the good that God would do for those that love Him.